0: Today's class and the next three classes are going to be on the meaning of becoming and three suttas, the loka, the bhava, and the mula. This morning's class is on the loka. And I just thought this would be a uh, an appropriate way to kind of finish out the year. And that last class will be on our Thursday 2 o'clock class. So I hope you can join us then on New Year's Eve and there'll be another different sutta on Saturday. So the appropriateness of these three suttas and this one in particular kind of the day after Christmas um has to do with something you hear me say often, that the most loving thing I can give to myself and to all other sentient beings is a gift of the Dhamma. I'm using that word gift today because of its relevance to Christmas. I don't usually call it it a gift, but it certainly is, isn't it? Um, And this sutta, this very brief sutta, explains why. And it really is the... um, Another one of those suttas where the Buddha describes the problem and the solution in just a few words. This particular sutta is from a section of the Sutta Pitaka called the Udana, uh, which is a series of very small sutras, uh, and it's in fact it's class uh, classified in that way in the Udana, not because of subject matter, but because of the, the brevity of the suttas themselves. So, um, but there's much here. You've heard me say this. Um, I think. Uh, no, Adam Adam, and Tom probably haven't heard it either, so it will be new to, to half of you. The newly awakened Siddhartha, now a Buddha, was enjoying the peace of release. Release from what? Release from views ignorant of four noble truths. Established in concentration, established in jhana, he observed the world around him. He noticed human beings aflame with the fires born of the defilements of passion averted and deluded, aversion and diluted consciousness. That's also, you'll hear me say, the three defilements of greed, aversion, and diluted thinking. That's what we're talking about here. Passion is, is greed. Realizing the significance of what he was seeing, he thought, the world is a flame, rooted in ignorance, in parentheses, of four noble truths. The world is afflicted by sensory contact and perceives suffering itself. The Buddhist is another thing that the Buddha often teaches, that we join with our suffering, we become one with our suffering, through self-identification, through anatta, through wrong views of self. And so, and and again, the the last few suttas on dukkha related directly to this, didn't it? That birth is suffering, aging is suffering, sickness is suffering, death is suffering, not getting what is desired is suffering, getting what is undesired is suffering. That's the nexus point of getting what is desired and not getting what is desired is where we start identifying with suffering. I'm not getting what I want. I need more chocolate cake. That's what the Buddha is talking about. That is joining with our suffering rather than simply have one piece of chocolate cake, take a breath, come back in our body and see what's next in life. And I'm using kind of a simple explanation to make, to make this one single point. We join with our suffering and that is the problem with it. And we join with our suffering as the Buddha will describe here because of ignorance of suffering. The Buddha teaches that his entire Dhamma is to understand the nature of suffering, understand its origination and its and its continuation, understand that it's possible. These are the Four Noble Truths, by the way. That cessation of self-identification with suffering is possible, and that the Eightfold Path is the path leading to the cessation of suffering. So it is engaging in the Eightfold Path that we give the greatest gift in my mind, and I think in Siddhartha Gautama's mind, to ourselves and to all sentient beings. So. Let me go back one line and put that back in perspective. The world is aflame. Rooted in ignorance, the world is afflicted by sensory conduct and perceives suffering itself. Rooted in ignorance. I'm sorry. Rooted in ignorance, it misunderstands self and becomes anything other than self. This one line is where the mystics grasp after what are these things that we become and they 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 use this great misunderstanding to establish a self in all kinds of non-physical realms rooting in nothingness and emptiness remember the series on emptiness that's what the buddha is referring to isn't but he's not talking about that we create some kind of magical mystical non-physical non-physical self we become anything other than our self which is a real human being that's anything other than self and anytime we attach a self to something we're not, including suffering, self-identifying with suffering, this is when we're becoming anything other than self. Because a fully mature, fully awakened human being cannot contribute to its own suffering. It's the the essence of awakening, isn't it? That's what the Buddha is referring here. Becoming anything other than self, the world, meaning all people in the world, The world clings to becoming, becoming what? Becoming further ignorant by clinging to ignorant views, views ignorant of four noble truths. That's the true meaning of of becoming. They are afflicted by becoming, and yet we delight in that very becoming. I got my second piece of chocolate cake. That's all I need in this moment to be happy. I'm delighted in my becoming right here and right now. Or maybe a second piece of fish from Julia's dinner last night, same thing. Where there is delight, there is fear that I might not get that second piece of chocolate cake or that other piece of fish or the delicious potatoes and vegetables that Julie made too. Where there is delight, there is fear. Where there is fear, there is stress. Again, where do we create stress in our lives from fear of not getting what we want or receiving what we don't want? The essence of the Dhamma. Where there is delight, there is fear. Where there is fear, there is stress or dukkha. Here's the solution. The life integrated with the Eightfold Path is lived for the abandoning of becoming what? Becoming further ignorant. Those that say that escape from becoming is by non-becoming are never released from becoming, I declare. Another line to creating speculative non-physical establishments for ourselves that think that we can overcome becoming by non-becoming, by imagining ourselves in some non-physical realm. 99.9% of all modern Buddhism, but all All of modern religions are rooted in just that same thing, becoming something other than self. And this is not a condemnation of religion. It's just an explanation of why they fail at delivering awakening for human beings. Many religions can fail at providing momentary um, distraction and feelings of safety and perhaps guidance. But none can bring understanding of what it means to be a human being, as the Buddha describes here. They are never released from becoming, I declare. Stress arises in dependence on becoming a self, rooted in ignorance. With the ending of clinging to self and maintaining self, no stress will arise. At last is a, is a reference to the second noble truth. Look at the world. Human beings afflicted with ignorance, craving for and cling to becoming. All forms of becoming, anywhere in any way, are impermanent, stressful, and always subject to change. No matter how acceptable it may seem, no matter how many of our friends and associates are doing it, no matter how many powerful or misguided meditation or dhamma teachers are out there, if it's teaching becoming anything other than self, it is continued distraction and will, will lead to further stress and suffering. It will always be rooted in fear, such as the fear that many people are living into, into today, in today. Sorry. The Buddha continues, Knowing this, the arising and the passing away, from right view, craving for becoming and for non-becoming is simply abandoned. Excuse me. From the abandonment of craving for becoming and non-becoming, both are the hurtful aspects. Craving for becoming means I need more of what I have or the non-becoming of establishing myself in some place of deprivation, whether it's, it's through a practice rooted in asceticism or severe asceticism, or in these non-physical establishments in, in mystical realms. It's so all the same thing. For those unbound, from lack of clinging and maintaining, there is no further becoming. No further becoming what? No further becoming ignorance. And in many of the suttas, the Buddha, upon his awakening, says, there's nothing left within me to provoke another moment rooted in ignorance. It's the provocation of ignorance that keeps us rooted in ignorance. They have conquered ignorance, they have completed the task, and have gone beyond com- beyond becoming, in parentheses, a self-rooted in ignorance. Gone beyond becoming a self-rooted in ignorance. That's the end of the Loka Sutta. It's the whole point of the Dhamma. We took a big step here today, I think, uh, in just listening to the Sutta. What I'm referring to is all of us taking the time on a... Holiday, if you will, uh, to attend our Sangha and uh, be part of this Dhamma class. So, really, thank you all for joining today, and I'd like to hear what you have to say. And let's start with Becky. Hello, Becky. There you are
1: member to unmute myself.
0: <laughs> you did, thank you.
1: <laughs> I can't until I start talking. And then I realize nobody's nobody's responding to me. All <laughs> the uh, This, this yeah. is uh, a sutta that well really like most of the suttas really is the entire dhamma. Yeah. But this one is difficult more difficult for me to get my head around, uh, in a way that I can't, um, becoming and abandoning ignorance. I, I I get that, of course, but sometimes if I'm having a problem or a difficulty and uh, I, I can't, I can't make the leap to what it is that I'm clinging to, what it is that I am uh, ignorant of. That uh, would allow me to see it and abandon it and be peace at peace again.
0: Yeah. So you bring up, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's such an important point, Becky. It's, It's in that moment that... When you recognize a disturbance, it doesn't even have to be identified. oh, I'm disturbed by wanting more chocolate cake. I simply notice a disturbance or distraction in my mind and just remind yourself it's the it's it, it's the it's the mindful object itself, whether it's identified or not that is not you. This is not me, this is not mine. this is what I am. Any thought that is distracting or disturbing in any way, including the thought that oh boy. I'm winning the lottery. I'm going to pick it up tomorrow. That's a disturbing thought, right here, right now. Again, I'm using an extreme example. So, it, it the underlying analysis is, is often not all that important. But simply notice the quality of your mind, and if it's less than peaceful, be at peace with that. Be at peace with the less than peaceful mind state, and that's Dharma practice. You know, and, it, and it's keeping it focused on the quality of mind rather than the underlying. Um, aspects of conditioning that are themselves in an endless pit to explore. Okay. This is not yeah. me. This is not mine. This is what I am. This is not what I am.
1: That really helps.
0: Good. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. Please continue. No, that does. That,
1: that does help. Um, and that would work. <clears throat> sorry. That would work even with, even with a, a disturbance. That is kind of ongoing. that continues to to pop up and is is uh, rooted in the same in the same thing. Rooted in the same problem mm-hmm. that continues to disturb you.
0: So you, again, you bring up such a, a such a profound. Um situation. In fact, it's that situation that caused Siddhartha Gotama to leave the palace grounds, leave all that power and money and luxury behind and seek out understanding because he understood that it is in the realm of um, certain personal relationships that are so intense that it makes Dhamma practice nearly impossible. So we'd like to think of Siddhartha Gotama as Superman, and who who overcame every possible human problem he didn't he understood that he was a human being and there's some things that human beings can't overcome and often that is troublesome people or troublesome situations that will that have no real resolution and I'm being very cautious here because that's a that's a very fine line. It could sound like like well it sounds like Becky's talking about a bad relationship. Just tell him to hell with him and go away. That's not what I'm saying. Because those can be the situations for the for the greatest understanding to develop. So it's up to each and every one of us to understand, can Dhamma be applied here? And if so, let me do it. Or is it simply an impossible situation? When the Buddha talks about leaving the world behind, in essence he's talking about that or going forth is another term that is often used. Because the Dhamma is so important that I have to leave and not I'm saying any of us should do this, but in my in my particular case, for instance, I have to leave everything behind, my family, my business, my dog, you know, my brand new car, and just put my focus on this if I'm to awaken. Other people did not do that. And there's there's plenty of stories. Anatha Pandika comes to mind, a very wealthy businessman uh, who kept his worldly life going. Other people even within Siddhartha's family. But, but that's the point. But I don't want to insinuate that if you're in a difficult relationship, you simply leave it. But some situ- some situations are, um, are, are, are so intense and distracting that it's almost impossible to bring the Dhamma there. And again, the Dhamma is not meant to create supermen or superwomen out of us. It simply develops so we can understand the nature of stress. And sometimes other people or other other solutions are the, um, the manifesting vehicle for that stress, even though we may have nothing to do with it except our participation. So again, I hope my answer is relevant. It
1: is, and it was very helpful.
0: Okay. And thank then Becky, the most... I
1: took so much time, guys.
0: No, it, 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 that's what we're here for, and remember the most important aspect of the Dhamma is to be very gentle with yourself, and as best as you can with those around you. So, thank you, Becky. Thank you. Adam, This morning. Good this morning. <laughs> good morning. Thanks for joining us. Still morning? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it? Is it? <laughs>
2: Um,
3: I found myself stumbling over the use of the term self here, uh, having, you know, always thought that, uh, it was a, such a bad thing. And we, we talked about this, uh, you know, over this, over the summer and fall a little bit, um, about, Hey, you have to have some kind of, uh, perspective in order to practice. Yeah. Um, but the question I had in particular was, um, you know, they're talking about, uh, you mentioned sort of some of these uh, you know, uh, aesthetic teachers and, and so on um, who were who teaching you how to, how to be these things other than something other than self. So I'm curious what an example might be of, you know, what is a not-self thing that is uh, that is damaging?
0: Yeah, it's another great our- question, Adam. And a, a few examples come to mind. Any, any teaching that would... Um, that would take me out of the present moment and convince me to pl- to apply some value in any type of speculative existence, such such as some other higher realm of consciousness, or in the case of modern Buddhism, um, the, uh, the, uh, the the Pure Land Buddhism that teaches uh, the the reward of certain behavior, not here, but in another realm post-death. That's all part of it. But Anything that would teach me the value of being something other than what I am right now is the same thing. And it's, and it's related in many, many suttas. But also practices such as silent retreats. Silent, silent retreat is something the Buddha never taught and never would teach. Why? Because there's no opportunity to teach and share the Dhamma in silence. So even that act of forced silence is an aspect of, of asceticism and even deprivation of who I am as a human being. There is no noble silence without right speech. It is right speech that informs noble silence and noble silence that informs right speech because it provides the structure rather than just an ascetic belief in something. So is that helpful? Yeah,
3: it gives me some, some more to think about. I'm going to, I'm going to meditate on that.
0: Good. And, and then the last part of that is the Buddha taught that we should be a self, but a human self, somebody a, a, a human being that understands the nature of being a self which is someone who doesn't take anything in life, any part of that humanity, personally. We're simply engaged that was in. That's very big. Yeah. And that, we're going that's to a get very into big that. The summer. Pardon me? I'm sorry. That's, that was a very big lesson I took from uh, the summertime
3: in the fall and getting to be part of the Sangha, was, was recognizing that and, uh, you know. Keep being gentle on myself in that in, in that sense.
0: Yeah, it's always a good idea. <laughs> uh, so we're going to go through that. That was the uh, the Vipassana study, uh, introspective insight into the three marks of existence that we're going to do again this year. I'm not quite sure of the timing yet, but probably in about three months' time. And that's a I think it's a 36 week class, so it's rather extensive, but it gets right to the heart of the matter too. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. Jen, how are you this morning? Hi, John. Hi, everybody. It's nice to see
4: you. Happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays.
4: Um, I I've been thinking through Suta teaching and discussion how my understanding of becoming is the the importance of the sangha in my understanding of becoming is very poignant now. To me, because I, I I recognize how this concept, how difficult this concept is, and how important for me, for my experience and my understanding, the Sangha has been. Yeah. Reminded of specific conversations that I've had with Sangha members around becoming and understanding what. Becoming is um, so that we can frame it with dependent origination.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
4: How, m- when we see ourselves in action, we see Anatta, we learn to see Anatta arise, and we recognize that when that happens, if we follow it, if we, if we move away from what's occurring now, then we suffer. And, um, you know, there's been conversations. I remember a conversation with Maura. I remember conversations with Matt. I remember conversations with Rom. And it's, it's the idea of, and Rom, I feel like Rom and Matt have said this many times and it's solidified in my brain. Anytime you move away from What is happening? Anytime you mentally move away from what is occurring now, you are becoming, and I think it's, it's, it's really timely that you (laughs) presented it right after Christmas because many of us, I mean, me, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I personally, when for the, for the, you know, month of December, you, you are clinging to this event <clears throat> yeah, using to define yourself. 26, that event's gone and you're already in the, you're in that, um, what's the word? karma Of using Christmas to define yourself. And now you're like a little bummed out all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. What am I going to become next?
4: Why do I feel so crappy? Because, oh, because well, you, because you've been, Christmas to define yourself for the last month, and now there's no Christmas. Yeah, <clears throat> and you feel like crap, and you start questioning life, and like, why? Who, who? am I? And I mean, I just, you know, that's my little spiel for
0: today. <laughs> <laughs> it's right on, Jen. That, that's that's the the problem with the holiday season, but it's a problem with life. What are we gonna become? When we're, when we're, especially when we're attached to our suffering, we you got to keep becoming something rooted in that. But we also have to remember that the other aspect of becoming is becoming awakened. That's what this, this whole process is. Right. And so each and every moment holds the potential. Really, right here, right now. Depending on what I'm holding in mind will determine whether I'm moving towards becoming awakened or becoming further ignorant. And if in, that, in this moment I find that what I'm holding in mind is leading towards becoming further ignorant... Is the only thing to do is to be gentle with myself, take another breath, and stop it. Period. Nothing else. So, <laughs> thank you, Jen. Happy birthday, Julia. Thank
5: you very much. Thank you, John. Um, I like uh, this suita very. It is. I agree with Jen. It's a perfect, a perfect time for this suit because, just, as Jen said. This whole holiday season, it does make you have a lot of becoming, you know, because a lot of people, you know, all of us actually, we have, we have like family traditions, past, you know, all these past memories and all these things, and it does, it, it does, it does bring bring up a lot of becoming, you know. Um, the the one line that I liked in the, in the sutta was becoming anything other than self, the world clings to becoming. Is afflicted by becoming, and yet delights in that, be, in that very becoming. It's right. kind of like this time of the year where we all delight in in that becoming, yep. Yep. just dwelling in the past. Yep. You know, uh, yes, we cling to this to the, to the holiday, but it's really rooted in so much of the, of our past already, past conditions that we've had.
1: Sure. Um,
5: and like Jen, also, um, the one person that um, helped me with this. Uh, understanding becoming was wrong when we were on retreat and then and when he taught the Nagara Sutta he said becoming describes the movement of the mind moving in the past and the future and I realized I says ah clinging and craving I understand that now I can understand becoming more because I it's whenever just as Jen was saying also that is when our mind is not here it's not present and it's somewhere else doing thinking of something else Craving for something in the future, our mind is not. We are not. We're not present. We're yep. not here, and so we are in the other realm of. This is not me, and this is not, I and mean, that's not who I am. We're yep. in those. We're we're in those other places trying to make it be our
0: identity. Yes, um, and that's actually living in emptiness and nothingness because there's no life there. Yes, yes, and um,
5: the thing that the Nagara Sutta really clearly explains is that feedback loop that. That consciousness activates the name and form, and um, yeah. name and form is our identity. It's how we define our parameters in the world, and how we de- how we how we be- how we become, <laughs> how yeah. we are becoming. Which is, uh, you know, it's it, you can see it clearly be- because it's our mind going flipping back, doing it again and again and again, and uh, of course, it leads us back to aging, sickness, and death, yeah. right back into the dependent origination cycle. So thank you for john for giving us this, this sutta at this time because i feel like this is it was very it was definitely needed just as a reminder of uh, you know to stay to stay present you know and yeah. not not get lost in the uh in the other the other times and like past times when we are here now this is where we this is where we belong
0: yeah yeah thank, thank you john. Julie. like i said we'll have the other two suttas in this series in the next two classes i think maybe we'll do the Nagara Sutta next Saturday. I was wondering what, thinking about what class should be there. So maybe that's a good one. So, thank you, Julia. Good morning, Michael. Good
3: morning, everybody. Um, well, is, we're really getting into the, um, you know, deeply into the Dhamma here. And um, uh, it's, it's actually very refreshing. Um, the very first. You know first part of the sutta, john uh the newly awakened siddhartha now buddha was enjoying the peace of release established in concentration he observed the world around him he didn't partake in it he observed it he didn't entangle himself in it he was observing so he wasn't uh, and in so doing uh as we're talking about about this our pain and suffering mm-hmm. Uh, and and Julia and, and and Jen had brought it up. Uh, it it it's it's born of self-reference, you know, and yeah. uh, um, self-reference basically occurs when we're not living in the moment and we're not conscious or aware of 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 that moment. Uh, that's the place where we can uh, where we can observe it and not entangle our, ourselves with it. So that's what I'm getting out of this. Uh, the suffering that we incur is our, is our, is our going through that dependent origin, dependent origination. And it's also rooted right there, independent origination between uh, uh, the third and fourth link, again, in the feedback loop that's that, uh, that keeps us there. And as it, but it's also a good point to, to recognize like, uh, while we're present and aware of our, our, uh, our surroundings and what we're doing right at this very moment, we're in this class, you know, tuned in, and uh, it's, it's also a good time to recognize any self-referential thoughts that might occur uh, and realize that self-referential thoughts are the cause of pain and suffering. Yep. they flourish and become something other than just a thought wow. so that's all i just want to basically say there and fantastic class with everybody and becky feel better sweetheart uh uh um uh, that's that's where the, the problem is it's uh and i know it's uh it seems like um it's it's in uh, a i kind say, of say this uh kind of like uh very carefully, it's it is our ego self that is causing our our suffering, um, and we have to rec- we have to recognize that and let go of that. Um, not an easy thing to do, but this is a great place, a great refuge, you know, for all of us. So, I hope you're you, you're feeling a little better, and uh, you have a great daughter there to help you through. To, and we're here. And we're here for
1: you. We're here for you. We're all here. For you. Thank you. you thank thank everybody i'm already feeling better
0: thanks a lot <laughs> well said michael thank you for that good morning tom all right morning everyone merry
2: christmas merry christmas Happy, uh boxing day
0: is what we call it yeah? Ah, yeah yeah um yeah so so I,
2: i'll just be i think quite quite brief um I do think this this idea of becoming is very relevant now with christmas i mean we actually ended up we had christmas cancelled basically here in the uk (laughs) now the new global epicenter Um, Um, but what i've noticed at least in my own mind is that um i think the new becoming is on a national kind of level or global level is the is the end of a pandemic right and it's mm. thought that we can all like finally be free and You know, suddenly, I think it's very uh, tricked my it's uh, tricked my own mind into thinking as long as I can get through to March or April, then, you know, life will be good again. But of course, it's all just uh, um, fabrication. Um, So, so I think it's just extra chance, especially as we're coming towards the end of the year to look at how, how the next few months as difficult as they will be for all of us and for many people in certain ways can be an opportunity to, um, you know, to practice deepen, to deepen our yeah. practice and to sort of avoid that feeling of like, you know, um, just waiting for tomorrow, so to speak. Um, so uh, anyway, that was just something I sort of reflected on as everybody was sharing. Um, and I, I just, I just want to clarify, I've understood correctly, I wrote down something you said, you know, uh, John, you said, we think we can overcome becoming by non-becoming. So the becoming, I think I get, um, the non-becoming is the, um, asceticism or, or sort of, it's kind of avoiding the way of the world, so to speak, but in exchange for something mystical, something in another world, perhaps, or, <coughs> God-like, or, 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 I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong here, John, but or, or denying yourself, denying yourself the pleasures of the world.
0: Yes, uh, and, go ahead. Is that right? Yeah. Wait. And actually, it, it it can get a little tricky at subtle levels because becoming and non-becoming at the most subtle level is exactly the same thing. But in a, in a practical way, becoming in this moment is me me needing to be the world's greatest meditation teacher and being acknowledged that that's becoming a self in the world. And then as a result of being the world's best meditation teacher, I'm going to get a reward when I'm dead in some type of speculative Buddhist heaven. That's non-becoming, but it's all attached to the same thing of becoming anything other than what I am right here, right now, which is a human being. So no matter what I do in the world, and some things it's important to be acknowledged for um, on on an obvious level, but not as far as I'm concerned. I don't need to be anything other than what I am because it's all that I can be. But then there might be some meaningful aspects of my life. Perhaps I am one of the world's greatest meditation teachers. But if I'm attached to being that moment by moment, my life's going to be awful, isn't it? But if I simply am the world's greatest meditation teacher, then I'll have the brilliance of being alive in this moment. Do you understand? Yeah. So it yeah. really it really does come down to one thing. But the way our minds usually work, it's good to look at it as becoming something in the world or becoming something Outside of the world, it's both the same distraction, though.
2: And so the, the sort of the I don't know the middle path or is to sort of just would you sum sum it up if you were in as like to let go of becoming? Yes, the, all types of
0: becoming. Yes, the, the Buddha described the eight, and again something very greatly misunderstood. He he taught that his eightfold path was the middle way. And again, he didn't just say it's the middle way and leave that open. The middle way between what? The middle way between extreme views that would have us establish ourself in the world or another extreme view to establish ourselves outside of the world in my imagination. But they're both the same thing as it distracts me from being the self that I am right here and right now, which is simply a human being. Does that bring clarity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, it's such an important point. And it's really—I shouldn't say it's surprising because you're all developing the Dhamma at such profound levels. But what we've gotten out of this one little—you know—you know how many lines it is—25 lines, maybe—it it, it is just remarkable. So I think the rest of these classes you'll find uh, just as enlightening. But again, thank you all for joining uh, me today and for all your support all the time. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, any anything else? Anything you'd like to say? We ha- we haven't. Wrong, have we? Oh, gee, I'm sorry, Ram. <laughs> How are you, Ram?
6: I'm good. Um, this is an incredibly dense system. Every every sentence in here takes you um, further into the Dharma, I and mean, it's it's very it's very logical. Um, you can you can spend uh, a, a day on, on one of the paragraphs here yeah it, it really lays it out very it's almost like he's he's walking through dependent origination here it's just so yep. um, and and this is uh one of the easier ones on becoming to to understand um I I tried to, um, at the uh, at the retreat. I tried to tackle the um, uh, the Bhava Sutta, and uh, that one's a lot harder. Uh, he makes uh, he makes a couple of jumps there that uh, makes your head spin. Um, but the the idea of, of becoming as as an, as that movement away from the here and now uh, i i find that very uh, very useful yeah Um, it it takes away a lot of um confusion on on this whole idea of becoming and it's an important uh, uh, subject for for the buddha i mean he basically he he set the whole world he set the word up as one of his i mean he he uses bhava as, you know, which is why uh, in the Bhava Sutta, um, Ananda comes to him and says, you know, what's, what's this thing with, with, uh, with becoming? You know,
2: well, why what, why I, are you using it this way? That's kind of his, his question.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, and, and so he, and he ties that sutta directly to karma, because karma is what yeah. are, what are, what the present moment unfolding. What, are, what am I becoming? Framed by whatever I'm holding in mind. And so these all relate in a very nice type package. Even going back to the three suttas on emptiness. And I think you're all seeing that. These are all interrelated in that way. Ultimately to empty ourselves of ignorance. as the key to the Dhamma. And, uh, yeah, so they're really a remarkable series of suttas. Uh, anyone else? All of you take care of yourself. Becky, please be gentle with yourself. Mom, (laughs) I'll uh, I'll see you all on Tuesday. Peace. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.